0: Now, today on the show, we have author and professor Betty Kovacs. She is the author of the books, The Merchant of Light and The Miracle of Death. And Betty and I had a really interesting conversation about consciousness, Jesus, the history of organized religion, and much, much more. So let's dive in. I'd like to welcome to the show, Betty Kovacs. How are you doing, Betty? Good. Thank you, Alex. Thank you so much for coming on the show. I'm excited to talk to you, you and your work and what you've done and you're doing in the world, trying to spread the, the message that you're spreading into the world. And hopefully we can help that out a little bit here on the show today.
2: Oh, thank you.
0: So my first question to you is, how did you begin uh, your spiritual journey?
2: Well, you know, I think it began as a child, really. Mm-hmm. Uh, my brother and I used to play out in nature. <laughs> there, were, there was no television no iPhones, and I think maybe radio, we might've watched a half an hour on Sunday, <laughs> not watch, listened, And so we were always out playing and creating stories and we were always wondering how, as we put it in our childish language, how come all this anyway? You know, we just always have a question, how come all this? And then we play games like, well, what if it, what if it didn't exist? What if there wasn't a world? And you know, we would play that, you know, squeak our eyes eyelids together and say it and say it and say it until I think I would feel almost like I might have hit nothing and then the whole universe would come back into bloom. And it was funny because later when I was doing classical studies, that's what they said is that being comes always from non-being. These are the polar opposites, but nothingness is the birth. It's what gives birth to being. And so we were just always playing these kind of games because we didn't know anything. Mm-hmm. And so I found no way to know anything. I We didn't even think in terms of belief, you know? It was like, how do you know? And trying to figure it out. And so I had to go to university, and there, of course, I came up against a scientific uh, worldview, (laughs) which was dreadful, the worst that could possibly be. And I found out later from my studies, of course, that science was limited from the beginning by the church to only study matter. So it really wasn't the scientist's fault Mm. that we received such a dreadful, limited worldview. And of course, quantum physics has brought that full circle and completely gone beyond that limitation to a multidimensional world. So anyway, that it was. And then one evening, I was dating a young man who had just finished his studies at Andover Newton Seminary. He had his first church, and he had a party. And so here were many of the men who had gone to the seminary with their girlfriends, and they were talking about Carl Jung and physics, and mathematics. And I didn't know a thing they were saying, really, I didn't understand anything. But I listened. And afterwards, we went into his study, and I saw Carl Jung's uh, Modern Man in Search of a Soul. And I thought, well, if there's a soul, I'm in search of it. (laughs) And so Jung really became a, a beautiful mentor. He had both scientific knowledge and he had had profound experiences in the spiritual world. And so then after that, I went into teaching and it wasn't really until there were the deaths in my family that I actually could say that I opened up finally to that spiritual world and experienced it. Took a long time. <laughs> yeah,
0: it, it tends. It tends to be a journey, to say the least. <laughs>
2: um, well, especially in a world that has denied it for centuries, you know. Right. That's. It,
0: it, I mean, today's world, I feel that there's so much more Awakening happening uh, exactly. around the world. Conversations like this are are, are more commonplace, more accepted. Oh, even. absolutely!
2: Oh, absolutely! Nothing like that when I was in college. Oh Nothing. no!
0: <laughs> even when I was growing, I was when I was growing up in the seventies and eighties, uh, there was this. This wasn't even a con- conversation. The conversation of a psychic or a medium or the other side or a near death experience. These things just did not. They were so on the fringe.
2: Except I was teaching <laughs> mythology. I started teaching in the 70s mm-hmm. mythology, and everyone was just absolutely hungry for that. The class would be filled every semester because we were talking about other people's spiritual traditions, mythology, and what could possibly be. And the students were wonderful in the 60s and 70s. Oh, yeah. I loved it. But they were, <laughs> that was when it was beginning actually right.
0: and then you and you're still limited to a classroom not yeah
2: exactly tens of
0: thousands millions of people around the world exactly. watching a video like this
2: Oh, you know, exactly yeah you
0: know and you could be anywhere in the world and not, and have access to this information where before it was behind closed doors uh you needed to get to a university that happened to have an open minded Teacher like yourself <laughs> teaching these things, and then because people are hungry for this information, oh, I've noticed they that they're starving, and they still are now more than ever. I think.
2: Oh, absolutely! And that was what was so exciting about teaching the class: is that it was in a, a city college, so some were um, adults—I mean, not adults, but uh, already Older. finished college and having a profession. The others were younger students. We all came together, and they—I learned from them you know, we were in this together, discovering together these things. And uh, yes, it was a hunger then and more so now. And in in my book, I point out that this this, this knowledge has always been underground because we started out from the cave cultures and the megalithic and the Egyptian and so on. We actually had a deep and profound spiritual tradition in the West, but it was absolutely censored by the Deuteronomist and the Roman church. It had to go underground. So there was the death and rebirth mysteries of Egypt and Hermeticism became alchemy. And then the Jewish first temple was a shaman mystic temple that was destroyed by the Deuteronomist underground as Kabbalah and then mystic Christianity underground. <laughs> These were so alive. And it has actually re-emerged in culture five times And in the book, I talk about those four times, and today is the fifth. But each time they were destroyed and pushed back underground, today we've got to make it, you know, because we're up against uh, almost the dissolution of the human being if we don't. Right,
0: exactly. And, you know, for people listening, when you say that this knowledge has been lost and found again, five, this is the fifth time, now it's underground, it's always kind of been there. It's the same concept as you know, tomorrow everyone's wiped out and we, and we, you know, it's 10 of us and we start building the planet up again. We'll talk of a thing called gravity. And people are like, what are you talking about? Like, what does that even mean? Like, well, there's this thing we're on an earth. What? This is knowledge. This is basic understanding knowledge that has to be brought back up. And the concepts that I talk about on the show and and you talk about in your work are things that we're reminding people of these basic understandings that makes more sense of the universe makes more sense of us you know that the earth is you know revolving around the the sun <laughs> took <laughs> took a couple minutes for people to figure that out and accept that now that is common knowledge for most people
2: <laughs> yes yes and it also not only was it maintained underground mm. but It was in our psyche it was already there that's that's who we are because all of these true stories about who we are are organized by the organizing principles of the human psyche and Mm -hmm. as jung says that a change a renaissance a turn will come first of all in a dream so we are prepared for it through our dreams and then when this information begins to come, for various reasons, we can relate to it, but it's always in us.
0: It's 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 always there, because our higher self knows all of, all of this, yeah. and, and, and we're just trying to remember it little by little. Uh, so your work really focuses on the shamanistic uh, ancient cultures, the wisdom within those ancient cultures. How can those that wisdom lead us today
1: to a, a greater understanding of who we are? <laughs> We'll be right back after a word from our sponsor. And now back to the show.
2: Yes, well, I will tell you how it did with me is that uh, as I started going back and for a long time, you know, the, in the cave cultures, here are these incredible paintings, incredible experiences had to have taken place there. I visited those caves and I read all of the disagreements about what was really going on. But when you're in the caves, you know, their shaman, their shaman, shamanic rituals have taken place there. And finally, uh, experts who were working in the field did write about that. And of course, they were made fun of by the other scholars. (laughs) You know, that's what always happens. But nevertheless, I think it's very clear that here we had 40,000 BCE. Shamanism really developed sort of spontaneously all around the world, is that somehow or other, we got to the point that we could trigger that valve that reduces our consciousness so we can live everyday life. Uh, as Bergson said, we are all universal mind. That's who we are. But we have a valve that limits that so we can do our daily life. And of course, any spiritual tradition has to know how to release that trigger so that we can experience it. So, But when the censorship came, no triggers for sure, <laughs> because the church did not want us to experience that vastness within ourselves because we wouldn't need the church in the way that they wanted us to need it. They said, God's outside of us. This mystic knows everything is within us. So that uh, has been the great problem of limiting that so that we trying to limit the mystic because the mystics were the heretics for the church. <laughs>
0: Yeah and and that's the thing that I, it's one of the common things I talk about on the show all the time is that that the answers are within you. I even said that when I was coming growing up uh as a former Catholic I was like why do I need a middleman?
2: Exactly.
0: To talk to God. I I don't understand that like and and all these concepts of you know God being very egotistical in the, in the in the Bible. You know oh, the I was
1: like oh, <laughs> oh the Old
0: Testament God is you know he's vengeful he's angry he's he you know he he kills and dies i mean he's he's pretty pretty rough guy (laughs) and it is a guy let's make sure it's clear in that book (laughs) it is a guy no question about it so i just that didn't make sense to me and as i've gotten older you know you know having a family and things like that you go like there's nothing my child could ever do for me to banish them for an eternal hell like that and the concept of hell in general is just ridiculous and uh, it just doesn't make any sense to me, you know. It, no, no, because it's... It, and, and also those older, you know, even the older ideas of the shamanistic mystics that they, you know, I I've really dug deeply in the, into the Eastern mystics, uh, mm-hmm. the yogic philosophies, the Vedic, you know, you know, reading the Vedic uh, texts and the Vedas and and those kind of things because they made sense to me when I read them. I'm like, oh, this this all make sense to me but every one of them every idea in the yogic philosophy is focused on it's inside you
2: oh of course
0: everything's inside of you and, and you are the connector to to uh,
2: exactly to god yeah.
0: in yourself because you are a god in
2: yeah, exactly we are that's our ancestors want to know we are all divine we are that cosmic consciousness and we are immortal and we are creators right and We had that in the West. I mean, the shaman developed, I mean, they were somewhat mystical and then became mystics. And if they could stay alive long enough, they became scientists. So, But it was a science born out of an experience of the universe. In the East, they never talk about belief. They don't say my faith. No, it's either we know it or we don't know it. And the but that's with suppression and and repression by the Deuteronomist and the church is that it's all about belief. Nothing, all of the techniques for experiencing who we are were not lost, but simply destroyed or or denied. So yeah, but the great thing that I discovered in the studies is that we had, you know, from the cave cultures, the megalithic culture, the Egyptian culture's incredible culture they may have really had a theory of everything. I mean, they, that was just incredible culture, which I think now we're beginning to be able to open up to. But so were the pre-Socratic philosophers. When I studied that, I didn't know they were mystics. But they also they knew how to achieve samadhi. They were like the Easterners, and yet they were destroyed. They tried to influence Plato, plato didn't go that direction with them and it became more rational for the west maybe later he did but it was already the rational that took over but we had this again and again in our own culture and it was destroyed i mean the
0: right the the knowledge that was lost by the mayans because Mm -hmm. of the spanish conquerors that Mm -hmm. literally destroyed thousands of scrolls of of knowledge that was lost and I, I do truly believe, though, you know, uh, looking at it more from a cosmic point of view, that this all happens for a reason, and there's a journey that the entire species as a, as a whole has to go through of the losing and coming, you know, gaining the knowledge and losing the knowledge and growing a little bit more back and f- keep going up and down, because it doesn't even in the last three thousand years, what we've been able to do technologically in the last hundred is insane why all of a sudden do we have the ability to have a car the internet you know few all this it just all of a sudden just showed up all this knowledge showed up everyone awoke to get all this knowledge in the last couple hundred years but last three or three or four thousand we didn't have that knowledge so it's interesting to see how we all kind of as a as a species decided oh it's time to move everything forward a little bit and i believe that's happening now on a spiritual standpoint do you agree
2: i i do agree that we are um i think though that because of the suppression this severe suppression and repression that our evolution was thwarted mm, okay uh, and but i'm not I, I i agree with you to to somewhat but i i've been so horrified with the fact that even modern scholars are saying, well, yes, we should have developed the left brain first, and then now we can go back to the right brain, the symbolic brain that really ignites the higher brain centers and the heart, because the heart is the fifth brain component that connects us to the spirit field or uh, the subtle world. And And some scholars are saying, "Well, this is the way we should have gone." But look what we've done by going this way, and how many people have suffered. And when we think, you know, of just people killing each other, and like one young man who killed so many people, he said, "The world is dead." And I think there's so many young people that are born into this world of emptiness there's no way to find anything beyond what the church is saying and that does, that doesn't work for them it's emptiness and we've every so much of what we've created has been used for destructive purposes and mm-hmm. i think we may destroy ourselves with this because we're out of balance all of the underground traditions show the blueprint for developing the whole brain you know, letting that Right brain, it's older than the left, and fee it feeds into the left, so that we feel thoughts, so that we work together. It's one of the first uh, symbolic theorists, Jean Baptiste Vico, in the seventeen hundreds. He was talking at the same time these French philosophers were saying there's nothing but logic, all the rest is nonsense. He was saying no, 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 wait. <laughs> the right brain, the symbolic brain, is our gives us our first language. And it should not be reduced to logical language, nor should logical language be reduced to it. There must always be a dynamic and integral continuum of movement between the two. Otherwise, we create monstrosities uh, for cultures. And now, where I agree with you on that, though, is that I think we do have to go through losing things and not knowing what the heck is going on. But I... We have lost so much and mm-hmm. created such darkness—darkness darkness that sees us as flawed. The Deuteronomist told us we're flawed; we're not worthy oh, yeah. of the Garden of Life. Now mm-hmm. these technocrats see us as flawed. We can only be whole by merging us with the machine. And as a matter of fact, now getting rid of even the left brain, <laughs> letting AI take over, and oh, we're not responsible. I think we are. It has—it has created such a danger that we have really got to come forth with this spiritual knowledge now in order to, in order to integrate that darkness and transform it.
1: We'll be right back after a word from our sponsor. And now back to the show.
0: And, and that's what I'm trying to do here with this show. to bring people like yourself out to the a mass, to a mass audience that hopefully will, will listen. For people who are looking for this information, now you know you were mentioning uh, that people have taken ideas, and so much death has happened over, especially over organized religion. I mean, my favorite, my, my my favorite, but my one of the best examples of that is uh, the Crusades. Like you know, for, because Christ, if you don't believe in Christ, I must kill you, because that's exactly what Christ said. Uh, so, can you talk a little bit about this Jesus myth? And the Jesus that we know and the mystic Jesus, which is talked about in the East, very much so by people like Yogananda and other people along other yogis talked about Christ consciousness, talked about Christ as a mystic. Can you talk a little bit about that myth?
2: That is so important. That's one of our true stories that was destroyed and a false story put in its place. Margaret Barker has done some beautiful work on the first temple tradition in Judaism as a shaman mystic temple tradition. And the Deuteronomist, 621 BCE, we don't even know who they are, but they were priests who came in. All of this is wrong. They destroyed the text. They got rid of the wisdom text. They destroyed all the images of the feminine. And the feminine is symbolic of the heart, of the symbolic brain, of feeling and love and birth and death. She's symbolic of the subtle world, the spirit world, got rid of that. In fact, in the Holy of Holies, the priest, only the priest could enter, and there he united with the feminine because there has to be both to be whole. Well, the Deuteronomy got rid of that and uh, it, it destroyed all the images, her sacred trees, her sacred groves, the wisdom text, although Jews took much of the wisdom text to Egypt and could save them. But as far as Judaism was concerned, that's it. They destroyed that that tradition. Much later, uh, 600 years later, uh, there were many, many Jews who didn't go along with the Second Temple, the Therapeutae in Egypt, the Essenes, all over the Palestinian lands. And uh, they did not go along with the Second Temple. They were more mystical for going inward. And so Jesus was born out of that tradition. And as she points out, the rebirth of the Shaman mystic tradition. And there is uh, a tradition it's called the secret tradition that jesus taught jesus taught a different tradition than what we received from the church from the roman church and of course that was the mystical path of going inward and in the nag Hammadi texts which were texts which were not found until after world war ii and they were in egypt and the monks there around in the 4th century when the church took full power and made Christianity the empire's religion. They visited that place and every place and made it clear, you get rid of any text that doesn't have the official narrative or we'll destroy them. The monks buried them, and we didn't find them until after the war. And what is so interesting is that here we see the mystic Jesus. He talks about what in the mind helps us to achieve that mystical state and so on. And of course, Mary Magdalena is his spouse. Uh, The church got rid of that too, as did the Deuteronomists. Well, the Deuteronomists were earlier, but when Jesus came, that tradition, of course, was pretty definite in getting rid of all the feminine. But certainly it was with the Roman church that Jesus could not have a consort. Because the feminine was wiped out. But in the Nagamadi texts, and now we're discovering in many, many places, we see that Jesus was definitely a mystic, and that he his partner, his consort, his wife was Mary Magdalena, who was also a mystic. And so this is the tradition that Jesus taught, but that the church, when they took over in the fourth century, they destroyed. Everything they could get their hands on that showed Jesus as a mystic and made him a god outside of us, and they told us what we needed to do to correctly worship him and well, obey him.
0: You were mentioning these books or the texts that they found. What are the names of these these texts they found in the World War?
2: Nag Hammadi.
0: Okay, and they're available. They're available for people to purchase. Yes, and watch and
2: yes, you can get. You can get the whole book of the Hammadi texts. and there's a new edition out now, too. Mm-hmm. And you know when you go through them, it's like, oh, really? it's <laughs> it's kind of hard because there are many different kinds of Gnostic texts. but uh, Meyer, this is his first name. Uh, it's in my book, but I have Meyer uh, is is around here actually in California. He did uh, the Gnostic Gospels. It's a book called The Gnostic Gospels, and I don't remember his first name, Meyer. And it's he has such a good introduction to uh, help us to understand these texts better. Some texts are clear, others are kind of hard, but uh, his his guidance is very helpful. And he makes it clear that Jesus, in the Nagamati text, says, "I did not come to save you. I did not die for you. I came to remind you of who you are. Do not follow me." But become the Christ. Oh, this is a knockout, isn't it? <laughs> and besides, I used to think when I was young, how could someone dying save me? How, you know? <laughs> and why would a God not want me to know, have knowledge, and eat of the tree of knowledge? You know, it was all so crazy that we could even have had those false stories for so long as a as a astonishment.
0: <laughs> yeah, and and a lot of these, some of that stuff still that knowledge still snuck in to the Bible. Cause I remember, you oh, know, yeah. everything I can do, you can do as well. The, the knowledge is within you uh, or God is within you. These little sentences here and there kind of snuck in
1: <laughs> to, so to those right. texts.
0: Cause I remember those. I remember listening to them like, well, wait a minute. If he said that everything he could do, I can do that. Doesn't he's then no longer a God quote unquote, that means he's here to show us the way, as oh, that's opposed. that's so good. To, you know what I mean? It. it that's it, so good. I remember that even as a child growing up, you know, studying the text uh, or the Bible uh, in Catholic school, I I was I, even even with my basic understanding of what was going on, I was like, this doesn't make any sense. Like it just, it, it, there's so much that doesn't make any sense in, in in a lot of that that mythology that was created. Um, oh, in, in the Bible, especially the Old Testament, uh, it just
2: wasn't. No, it wasn't, and and they were false stories. Our the story of the tree in the Garden of Life is totally falsified because right. the earlier two thousand five hundred BCE, before uh, uh, the Jewish stories, there were there are symbols of the tree of life with fruit hanging from it and the God on one side and the goddess on the other, both pointing out, here it is for you, take it. So anyone who was ready to eat and have that powerful mystical experience, it was there for us. It was never forbidden ever.
0: Isn't it interesting though that, you know, because I again I'm I'm a recovering Catholic, uh and <laughs> and I in and, and again, some people find a lot of Path, you know, solace and, and comfort in going down that path. And I, that's up to them. And that's completely yes. fine. Of well, yeah. any, any religion, any, any idea, and if it helps you get closer to God in your own way without hurting exactly. anybody else, all, all the better to you.
2: I'm with you totally on that.
0: But what I also, also on a logical standpoint, looking at it and go, okay, well, the one thing that they always say when it comes to, uh, when you're investigating something, follow the money. <laughs>
2: and if, it's still true
0: <laughs> and if you if if you're if you're following a, a, something that's telling you that you they you need them in order to connect to god and that you have to pay them and so on and so forth there's that one path and then there's the yogic path let's just use it as an example because people understand what a yogi is and and that they never all they ever said was it's in within you there's no money to be made in that path in the eastern path that was the other thing that really kind of caught my eye, I'm like, wait a minute, they don't They don't want any money from me. They actually mm-hmm. don't want anything from me. They just want to give me this information, and I could do with it as I wish. Those two energies are so different, especially if you've ever walked into the Vatican and looked up, <laughs> and there's gold on the walls. Literally, the walls are made of gold. So there's something to be said there when Jesus is like, take care of each other, but yet the walls are full of gold. Uh, You know, it it, it just didn't make any sense to me. Uh, You know, I'd love to hear what you think of that.
2: Well, oh, I I agree. But I I do want to agree with you too about uh, the beauty in the New Testament. Oh, yes. Uh, The the Gospels were from uh, a mystical group or Jesus, uh, probably not disciples necessarily, but and we don't really know but they were written by people who were close to a person who was a mystic and let's say that's jesus that i think that these mystics were historical um many people think that there were the therapeutae these jews who didn't go along with the second temple Mm. And who were mystics who had written these Gospels because that was the Jesus life they were living. As a matter of fact, Eusebius, who was a church father, actually thought that they had written the Gospels.
1: We'll be right back after a word from our sponsor. And now, back to the show.
2: And uh, so I, I think that as a child, when I did go to Sunday school, not because my parents were part of the church, they weren't, but my brother and I always found a place where the, there were a lot of kids and there were programs for. But I can remember hearing about Jesus and they had, I don't know if you've ever seen felt boards where they put on picture of or uh, image of Jesus and the disciples. And they talked. It was very impressive as a child that this was the model of a man who was loving and kind and forgiving and creative and cared for the world. Um, and cared for men and women. Uh, unfortunately, a spouse was missing, but that didn't uh, dawn on me at the time. What was so powerful for them? And I've been in Catholic Church, uh, especially in Europe, and w- especially when there was the chanting and and candles and music. I mean, some of the music is almost a technique for altered states of consciousness. Oh, absolutely, you know, absolutely.
0: Yeah, the monk, yeah, the monk, the the, the Benedictine monks and the ch- that kind of yes, stuff. Yes, and the Gorgeous chanting stuff.
2: and. And I think that atmosphere, before they started speaking English, I liked the Latin because I didn't know what they were saying, and that was better for me. But this, the ritual and the place can be absolutely wonderful, and the stories of Jesus. But no, I feel exactly the way you do. I, I could not believe. I tried, but I could not believe. I had to know. And I remember being so happy when I read from Jung when I was still in college. It said some people cannot believe, and and they have to know. They have to experience gnosis. But I do know that people who do believe, as you pointed out, they uh, that is a way of a spiritual life for them, and I would not want to do anything to denigrate that. Agreed. I saw the other day I was watching a film about a man who— uh, really had, he had been an addict, and but then he had become a Christian. And his world was so empty, but that was his anchor. And I thought, okay. I wouldn't want to say anything in the work I do to take that away. That's okay. his anchor. And whatever way he can develop that, if it, as you have said so beautifully, if it nourishes him and doesn't hurt anyone else, I would want to support that. Because we might have to go, I think we do go through many levels, uh, but I, that, that, that really, I, I, I just felt so deeply about that. And I thought, oh, I don't ever want to say anything that I, on the podcast, that would take a person who had been in that place of addiction, but found this freedom yeah. of love and on whatever level you know then i would mm. want to support that
0: right and and again you know we're speaking a lot here about the western traditions but i mean there's what 2 billion who are buddhists <laughs> yeah, another right. another billion who are hindu like there's other other paths and they all have their strengths and weaknesses but as they long do. as as long as they connect you to god and you aren't hurting anybody else all the better but if you want to Open your mind a little bit more, expand your ability a little bit, and your awareness. There are other paths as well if you're ready for Um, them, or if you even want to go down them. You don't have to in this life. That's the way.
1: Uh,
0: I'm a curious person. I love listening and 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 hearing ideas (laughs) all over the place because if they ring true to you, then use it. That's right.
2: That's right. That's where you are. If you don't,
0: if it doesn't ring true to you, move it along. And keep going the path, and that's it. Discard it and move on. It's, it's yeah. I, I just don't I just don't agree with when you like my way is the only way, and if you're not no. gonna if you're not doing my way, obviously you're going to hell or you're going to be damned. Or or no, or this is that's this where is, the war start. That's where wars start.
2: And and we always know that when someone says this is the only religion we know that they have not had that inner experience right. because if they experience that within there's that isn't even an issue they know as all of the great mystics have said at, at that place the leaven is the same that makes the bread rise it's all the same yeah. it's uh that's where we know it's the same it's when we get out on the fringes and start saying such crazy things as it's a only religion or the best religion or no we're the chosen
0: ones
2: (laughs) (laughs) once again once again yes we have to know something is amiss there but we've we've taken this stuff in and kind of lived with it but i think now is a time when we're saying no this is a result of not knowing and the west has been for centuries in denial of gnosis real experience and supporting only some type of logical or irrational knowledge whichever way you want to see it and we can't be transformed by the intellect we have to experience it to be transformed
0: and and also another another example of of that there is not only one way to get to the same destination is a yogi who finds enlightenment is in, and and gets to that place where the bread is, the leaven is the same um as a shaman in american indian culture or, uh, or Aborigine going down another path, or a Buddhist going down another path. They, they all could get to the same place. There's not oh, yes. just the one path to get to the same destination. Exactly. And that's what exactly. I hope everyone listening understands. It's not that I'm saying like, oh, you have to become a yogi and live in a cave somewhere no. and meditate <laughs> for, for 30 or 40 years to find enlightenment. N- no, it, it's absolutely not. Jesus found that kind of enlightenment the same way that Buddha found it, but in very different ways, very, very different ways.
2: And we all have the potential within us to to know that. And what I love now is that finally quantum physics has come full circle. And I love Jude Kurevan, who's a physicist and cosmologist, and she says that we now realize that we are all the manifestation of this divine consciousness that came in with not the big bang she called it the big breath <laughs> you know that we are the manifestations of that and we are the co-creators of it that's something that, we really need to know
0: and that concept of being co-creators is so far beyond the materialistic world that we have been taught all of our lives mm-hmm. is it is is it's a concept of the mystics but now Again, because of quantum physics, and I've had multiple quantum physicists on talking about mm. these kind of things. Uh, it, it's you know they've discovered now that as you if if you keep going down and down and down deeper and deeper into a molecule, down to an atom, down, when they get all the way down to be, there's nothing but space and energy. There's nothing really ho- So they're like, well, what's holding us together? What makes a table a table? What makes Alex Alex? What makes Betty Betty? It, is it consciousness, and then that starts opening up another conversation, and and then we we could definitely get into simulation theory, which I would—that's one of my questions I had for you today. Like, what is your thought on the idea of simulation theory, or the dream, as the, as the aborigines say, or the great, uh, or the the great illusion uh, of the 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 Hindi or the Vedic traditions—they all the same in my in my eyes. Like, simulation theory is the same as. That we are living in a in a dream state. This is not reality. Reality is really the other side uh, where our souls live. What's your <laughs> well, idea of that?
2: Well, I think that it's true that we have a source that is first, it's prior to everything here. I mean, uh, uh, physicists say, yes, that everything that exists in the material world has a source in the non-material dimension. And we realize that we have our source in a non-material dimension in the uh in the subtle world or the spirit world and you know I've often thought about that I mean we can call it anything but we have created this reality in order to play these games of these sacred games of loving and becoming conscious and learning everything we can we, are, I mean, if we're we're the divine on the other side, I think when we come in and we meet each other and it's exciting and we learn and we love in a thousand or infinite numbers of ways. How exciting. That's a divine game that we come in and play this. We can call it not reality. I think it's I think it's a reality we create mm-hmm. for <laughs> for various purposes, but our source is the subtle world or the quantum field. What I love is that physicists describe the quantum field as this.
1: We'll be right back after a word from our sponsor. And now back to the show.
2: Vast, eternal, infinite sea of light. The foundation is light. It's vibrating energy and the mystic, also says it's a dazzling sea of light and vibrating energy, and so the mystic has always known about the quantum field, the field of fields, our source, But uh, they and they have described it in feeling, heart ways, whereas the physicist is describing it more in intellectual ways, but now we see it's the same field, and I think mm-hmm. out of that field we have the potential to do anything.
0: Agreed, one hundred and ten percent. Now, um, I would love to hear your thoughts on so many of these ancient sites that are being discovered around the world. That it's kind of showing us our timeline is shifting. Uh, I think it's, it's a kokopele or Tepe, uh, uh, the one in Turkey. That's they've a, they've aged that back to about eleven thousand years, which then throws our entire human timeline out of the whack. And then there's other sites that are being they're being dated down to 40 or 50,000 years be behind they're like well if if what well, what how could humans build this uh mm. this technology things like that but this knowledge is starting to come up where it was hidden for for many years and it's becoming mainstream even shows on Netflix are talking about these sites and, which is so exciting why do you believe well first of all I'd love to hear your thoughts on it and secondly why do you believe that this is the time That this information is starting to come out in the mainstream not just in academia like it's really coming out in the mainstream
2: well it's probably less so in academia (laughs) (laughs) yes (laughs) yes you're absolutely right actually (laughs) they they deny everything and for instance i knew maria gambutas who was the archaeologist of old europe discovering a whole world we didn't know about completely different much fuller symbolic system and now they're trying to get rid of her in the university but Back to this. Yes, this is very exciting to me. All of the archaeological discoveries uh from the cave cultures on and I go Tepi, and so and also uh in Indonesia, what is that? The Gunung Padung, I think it is. Yes. And that could be this could have happened at the same time with the cave cultures. So, and I love Graham Hancock. I don't know.
0: I I love Graham. (laughs) I'm dying to get Graham on the show. I know he's a very busy man nowadays, but I'm dying for him to get on the show because his, you know, he's asking the questions.
2: He isn't doing the research showing here are these places,
0: but he's asking the questions that, traditional or mainstream archaeologists don't want to ask because it just it, it screws with their knowledge or their understanding but that is the history of man galileo galileo was you know he was talking about stuff and he couldn't say it because they couldn't accept those ideas
2: because it, well, it shifted their entire reality this, so
0: yeah.
2: that's what's happening now and this is the problem of censorship. But yes, I mean, even when the first cave culture was, be, was discovered by a man, and he saw that the portable art was similar to what he saw on the walls, and that would throw the dating way back. They almost destroyed that man with ridicule and on and on and on. And the so-called authorities wouldn't even go see the cave for 20 years. So this is what we're up against in the universities it's- and in the people with in positions of power and so-called knowledge.
0: Is it ego? Is that what that is?
2: Well, I think, you know, I you know, I guess once you have a theory about the beginnings and the realities of things and you put your profession into it, I guess a lot of people get identified with it. But why can't we be identified with always learning something new? You know, that's just... A- that's
0: scary, though. That's scary. Because <laughs> well, that, that, be- that admits, that means you have to be humble and you have to admit that you don't know everything.
2: That's right, and you know, I always like to say, limitation breeds arrogance. You know, it's
0: always amen, <laughs> uh, sister.
2: <laughs> and when we know a little bit, we we've got enough sense to be humble about these things. But yes, I have really appreciated Graham Hancock, and I have used his work and other people's uh, work in these earlier cultures. What I think is that we do have enough evidence now that there was a lost civilization. And we are beginning to find pieces of it. Uh, who was the person who does uh Ice Age uh Sea Kings, what was it? what was his name? I forgot his name, oh, but I didn't
0: know he's talking about.
2: Oh, it just doesn't come to me right now. I started out with him. I mean, I thought, oh my goodness, here he found the maps of a whole other world long before we knew how to make the maps. Uh Hapgood. Charles have good.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, when Graham talks about that in his, and that shows, like yeah. how is how is Antarctica on these old maps when no yes. one knew that Antarctica existed? We didn't figure it out <laughs> till like the 1700s or something like that. I know.
2: So I think the evidence is in, it's coming in all of the time. We're finding older cultures. Now, why is this happening now? Well, I uh, addressed that in the introduction of Merchants of Light, because this is the phenomenal thing that is happening. We also discovered, independent scholars discovered shaman mystic traditions we didn't know about before, basically in the 20th century. Now, we knew about the cave cultures before, but we didn't really get any uh, sound theories and more understanding until 20th century. So all of this knowledge is coming in the 20th century. Then we have these rogue <laughs> people, thinkers, who are going outside the system and looking at what has been discovered by archaeologists. And uh, that's what I like about uh, Graham Hancock is that he's done films now of you know these places that have been discovered and pointing out what is absolutely significant in them. So I I think people like that are very important to us. But I think also what is happening is that the the darkness is also suffer, surfacing surfacing at this time. This horrible desire to control the whole globe, the technocrats who want to have a 1984 brave new world and make merge us with machine because we're not worthy to be alive human beings are flawed, all the way from the Deuteronomist, which I'm sure they don't realize, they're still playing that game, is that the human being is flawed. No, the human being is not flawed. We have the potential we to experience who we are, cosmic consciousness, but they don't know that. So all of this is coming up now. We'd say, oh my God, I didn't know that there was so much this or that or the other thing. Well, we can't avoid it now, all of this darkness. These are our brothers and sisters who are the result of these centuries of censorship and false narratives. And that's what we're up against. So we want to bring light to heal ourselves and help to heal them because they are a victim of this kind of thing.
0: Now, would you agree that there was a possibility because a lot of people, when they start talking about ancient civilizations and things, they start to tune out, they're like, that's not possible. That's not- Well, that's our
2: brainwashing. (laughs)
0: Right, exactly. That's crazy. That's all that kind of stuff. But on a logical standpoint, is it possible that 5,000 years ago, there could have been a culture that we found that was more primitive, but there could have also been a culture somewhere else that was not connected to that culture that was more advanced? Exactly. Because if you look at today's world, You go to New York City, that's one experience. You go down into the Congo, that's another experience. You go into the Amazon when there's tribesmen. if you, Whoever you found, you would go, oh, well, that's it. We assume that everything was connected like we are today, that the internet connects us, the information flowed freely. But it could very well be that there were other civilizations in the past that might have been more advanced in certain areas than we were, but we're not connected.
2: I I think that that is probably logically true. Uh, What uh, Hapgood saw is that this Ice Age culture that was seafaring was a worldwide civilization. That does not mean, of course, that there weren't many different groups all over the world playing the game in different ways, you know, at different stages of development. Just like now, yeah. Just like now, yes, I think that's certainly... Oh, what's going on but i love the question of why now and i think that now is this is the fifth time this underground tradition has has emerged into mainline culture and with it it has brought all of this darkness which we can't heal it if we don't know what it is you know we can't heal it's always first in ourselves in what way am I complicit with that darkness? I have to heal that in myself. But I think we have to look at it. And we also have to look at who we are, the potential of who we are. And all of these, these not all, many ancient texts and our own history in the Western world shows us that. I also have a a, a part in the book about the beautiful San Bushman. Herefore, they say sixty-five thousand years. They've known how to achieve cosmic consciousness, and they, uh, and through that kind of consciousness, they know a lot of a lot that we know intellectually. Same with uh, the the uh, people in Colombia and the high high Sierras, uh, that they were never touched by the by the conquest by Europe, and they have kept their tradition, and they go into. Their shamans train for nine years, and then there are some who train for nine more. And they only see—they go in the very high sierras, They only see the shamans who are trained for nine. So here they are, and what do they know? They know things that quantum physicists know. It's just a knockout. And they say it is a luna we, which is the spirit world.
1: We'll be right back after a word from our sponsor. Now, back to the show.
2: They they teach us. We know from them. They have no books, but they know these things. So that's such a merging of of the symbolic spiritual world with the intellectual so that they know it in a different way. So we have these, we're finding out that what has existed around the world but and what we're also finding out what has happened to us because of the suppression of the soul of the heart a feeling that we're there's a terrible sickness a terrible cancer as a result of that in the western world
0: right and and uh, and we you know you can't suppress that in it, it, the soul will come out. The, it
2: will. <laughs> it, it,
0: it, there's nothing you can do to suppress it. You might separate, suppress it for generations, but every soul that incarnates comes in understanding that this is the truth, and they have to remind themselves of that truth.
2: That's right. Yeah.
0: All all these great mystics that we're talking about, from Jesus to Buddha to um, Yogananda to so many of these other mystics that have lived throughout centuries, the main common denominator is they all just discovered or remembered the truth of who they
2: exactly. are. That's, that's all they did.
0: And once they knew the truth, it's like you can't put the genie back in the bottle.
2: <laughs> you can't. And I wanted to say too, uh, what is so important is that uh, after our son died, my husband and I had experiences with his consciousness, with him. And he wanted us to know that Yes, of course, he was still alive and still creating. But he also wanted us to know what was coming on the earth. And um, then uh, my husband had uh, a very, very powerful vision of with my son and him telling him, look up in the I Ching in the, uh, this particular hexagram. And so I said to my husband, how do you remember that? And he said, oh, that was easy. And then he said, it's starting from the top, straight, broken, broken, straight, straight, broken. And I said, well, how'd you remember that? And he said, well, it's easy, ML. You have the two straight lines making the M and the slanted and then the straight and and fallen line. So it's ML. And I said, well, what's that stand for? And he said, merchants of light well it's a long story i also found out later that graham hancock had run into merchants of light in his research in other places and here's my my husband was not one who studied these things you know it also came up during the rosicrucian period these merchants of light now i was so stunned when i realized that merchants of light was not some kind of strange name that he sometimes came up with english wasn't his first language so he'd come and but no it wasn't these merchants of light And gradually, I came to realize in my visions with them is that merchants of light are entities that are coming to the earth during this time. Many people are being born now who are not satisfied with believing, but they're asking the questions. And it's also an energy field now that has connected to the earth so that it's more powerful and we can do the work more easily now. So I think that's another answer to why is all this happening now? I think that from the other side, the quantum field, the spirit field is moving in, (laughs) you know, and connecting to the earth. Why? Because we've asked for it. We're ready for it. And now is the time.
0: So you believe that we are evolved enough to handle this information at this point in the game?
2: I think many are. Those who aren't don't want to know about it and they will do what they need to do. Uh, I think, though, that we need to know the darkness that, of course, we are censored to talk about. But if we don't know it, if we don't have the strength to stand firm and look at it for what it is, then it will do what it wants to do. And that's not what we want. You know, and Jesus said in the Nagamati text, and it kind of sums this up, is that uh, if you bring forth what is within you, what is within you will save you. If you do not bring forth what is within you, it will destroy you. And I think that's a way of looking at this darkness. They they don't see spirit. They don't see the potential of cosmic consciousness at all. They see us as unworthy. Uh, We need to merge with machine to be whatever, and that they control the world. They're the god in the garden. It's a great illness, but I think that... uh, we need to look at that and know that so many of my friends don't want to see what's going on and because it's so horrible and we're so brainwashed with 24 7 corporate news but if we can look at that and know it i think that and then remember that the light is much much stronger we have to can't get depressed and fall apart not now (laughs) you know we have to hold this darkness as a matter of fact that was one thing that came through so clearly is through the ml merchants of light it's a time to work on that which has decayed
0: and and you were saying that the disease that we have there's that other disease of of just greed and under, and materialism that mm-hmm. is so everywhere in the world where you know now we're getting not only billionaires, we're, we're, in my lifetime, they'll probably be a trillionaire.
2: I know. Um,
0: at, a, at a certain point, how much is
2: enough? You but that's, know? it's never enough if you're- it's, you're, you're sick, th- yeah, you're no, sick. And their soul is looking for that fulfillment. But since our the West gave no one any way to fulfill that, if we don't bring forth what is within us, then we the ego flips wrong side out and we have to have power over others we have to have everything money 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 things things but it's never enough or drugs it's to change the the it's never enough because it isn't the thing that will fulfill and i think we just see exactly here is what happens when we don't bring forth what is within us. We become horribly egotistical and greedy, and we must have power over. And now it's power over the whole world. It's global that is wanted, you know mm-hmm. for a very few people because all of their billions can't fulfill them. And we just do so need to recognize this as a human. This is a human disease. If we don't go within, then we try to snatch the whole world because we're so needy.
0: And that's a, I've never heard it put that way, but that is such a beautiful way of illustrating that idea of that if you can't find what you're looking for internally, which is mm-hmm. much easier. The way, <laughs> much. Than trying to take over the world, uh, mm-hmm. and just fill your house and and houses and boats and billions and billions off of these empty things that at the end mean nothing. Nothing mean nothing. nothing. Like how big of a box do you need to live in?
2: I know, <sighs> and and how horrible to bring our children into the world, into for them to experience emptiness. That's that worldview of limited science has almost destroyed the planet and it was from censorship of the roman church mm-hmm. the scientists themselves now have come full circle thank god it's a, a science worthy <laughs> beginning to be worthy of the universe but we don't want children born into this emptiness so no. that they kill or whatever what's it matter it's dead anyway
0: right exactly and and, and i'm hoping that conversations like this help things along a little bit. I do too, Alex. I, I, I really, do too. I really do. Um now uh, I'm going to ask you a few questions I ask all my guests. Um what is your definition of living a good life?
2: <laughs> oh, that's there's so many ways to put it, but I would say that especially as we get older, we we certainly know I am old <laughs> and I have a deeper understanding of that. Many old people are alone. And at that point, they know what is really, if they didn't know before, they know then our children know it too, is that the good life is when we love, when we have people to love in our lives, who love us, everything else, you know, it's if we can love, really love is the key to everything. And it really is the heart of the quantum field of the spirit world. Uh, It's Yeah, if we, the good life is loving.
0: What is your definition of God?
1: We'll be right back after a word from our sponsor. And now, back to the show.
2: I think that it is the vast intelligence that is the universe that gave everything birth, all of us. And there are many levels of development of it, of understanding of what that is. You know, can we understand it sometimes as a man outside ourselves or whatever, but there are vast uh, differences on the scale of understanding this consciousness. In some of the Renaissance periods, these mystics knew that their heart totally interpenetrated the heart of the cosmos with love and that love could transform the whole world. But yeah, it's it's everything.
0: (laughs) And what is the ultimate purpose of life?
2: to experience that. (laughs) But I think also to transform what doesn't, what isn't yet able to experience it, you know, Mm -hmm. is that if once we begin to catch on, then we want to experience more and more of who we are, but we want others to share in that joy and that love and that creativity to know. Who they are just as jesus said i came to remind you of who you are what little bit of work i ever do is to remind myself <laughs> and anyone else we are so much more so much more creative than we think than we've ever allowed ourselves to imagine
0: and where can people find out more about you and the work that you're doing
2: okay it's comlock Kamlak, uh dot com. And I have webinars and podcasts and videos and articles. And, and you can also buy the books. Uh, if you don't want to go to Amazon, <laughs> you can go to Comlock and uh, buy them uh, there. And also, if you want to sign up for the newsletter, which gives information about podcasts and things like that, then uh, you'd receive a, a chapter from Merchants of Light.
0: And do you have any final words for our audience?
2: No, just gratitude, I think. For people like you, you know, that we that this is happening, that this is happening and that we can connect. And each one of us has a sacred medicine to give. It's not like the old American idea of writing the great American novel. No, it's not one person. It's all of us together that we can make a change all together if each of us becomes who we are.
0: Betty, thank you so much for not only being on the show, for this wonderful conversation, but for all the work you've been doing throughout uh, throughout your <laughs> life. I, I truly appreciate you, my dear.
2: Well, I appreciate you. Thank you so much, Alex.
0: I want to thank Betty so much for coming on the show and sharing her knowledge with all of us. Thank you so much, Betty. If you want to get links to anything we spoke about in this episode, head over to the show notes at nextlevelsoul.com forward slash 207.